I didn't say cheese. Hey listeners, welcome back. This is season one, episode 10 of Takes of Our Lives. I'm Vince Kochi, and I'm joined by my friend, my partner in crime, uh, my co-pilot. What do you call it? Is Does a boat have a co-captain? I don't really know. Yeah, I guess. I First mean, mate. That's oh, there you what go. You would... Great call. But I don't like the power structure because we're, we're equals. I'm fine being, being uh, 1A. <laughs> or I guess you'd be one A in that scenario, so I'll I'll take one B. You're definitely the you're 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 carrying all of the hosting load, so I think for that reason alone, you you can take the the top spot on the marquee. Maybe I'm more like navigator, but I'll take it. That's that's nice. Yeah, how you doing, Steve? I'm good, man. I uh, I just finished watching the nine hour Holocaust documentary Shoah. That reference was for the real ones out there. Wow. Uh, I'm not familiar. Is it good? Um, actually, I've never seen it. So, but <laughs> <laughs> that's actually part of my this podcast that I'm workshopping. Um, I was going to invite you to be on it. It's the all Anna. Actually, it's going to be all media that Anna references in the OC. <laughs> I'm going to watch and review. I, that sounds like a dirty <laughs> job, buddy. I'm not sure I'm into it. I'm kicking around the title Anna Hall. Uh, after the <laughs> 1977 Woody Allen movie, Annie Hall. So yeah, no, but I'll get into that later. But Shoah, that, that pops up uh, at one point in this episode. But it's h- hardly the most important thing that happens. Well, but it could be close. We're sort of in between moments, though. There is some pretty crackling drama that occurs. Uh, what's the premise of the episode, Steve? I, I In as few words... Uh, it's the episode where Marissa and Ryan become girlfriend and boyfriend. Uh, that's made out to be a much bigger deal in the fabric of the episode than it ends up being, in my opinion. The thing that's sort of upstage is kind of literally uh, their budding relationship is a little bit of scandal between the show's two big villains. Yeah, that really kind of comes out of nowhere. They don't really... Um set any runway for that it just kind of pops up because both of those two characters haven't been in the last well caleb hasn't showed up since the one episode that he where he was introduced and then julie cooper's been uh, um you know out of the scene for a minute and uh yeah they both julie cooper storming back on the scene in a big way i feel like we need like a julie cooper air horn or something whenever she (laughs) comes out of hibernation for an episode because whenever she does she brings it extremely hard Totally. And indeed, that's what I want to talk about first in my rewatch reaction. Um, I guess I didn't remember that Julie Cooper was in and out. She was frequently coming off the bench. But when she comes off the bench, she comes off like leaping from the turnstiles, Helena Cell style. And uh, causing <laughs> she is the all sixth sorts man of, of, the, of the year so far in this show. Although I think if my memory serves correctly, she becomes more of a mainstay as the show goes on. I think we've brought that up many, many times in the past, but nevertheless. I, I, I believe so. It is strange having it happen like this early on in the season, though. Um, and you're right. It was weird that this very pivotal moment, uh, no spoilers, that gets paid off in a huge way later on in the season, um, 
it doesn't really percolate. We get that one teaser like four episodes ago where Jimmy tries very fool acidly to <laughs> get Caleb on his side to save him from his financial woes. Uh, but Julie swoops in and sort of uses her feminine wiles to perhaps save herself and Shailene Woodley uh, from being stranded out at sea. Yeah, uh, to the expense of Gabby. Gabby, nowhere to nowhere to be seen or mentioned <laughs> anymore. Anyone who had Gabby in their returning cameos <laughs> pool listening along at home, sorry to tell you you lost 20 bucks. because Took a bath on that one. <laughs> She's gone. Um, yeah, it is also the episode where we're supposed to see this legal embroilment come to a head, but it doesn't really pay off very satisfyingly in this episode. I didn't think, Steve. No, the wait. Which are you? Oh, are you talking about the the Kirsten and Sandy drama? Kirsten versus Sandy, and Caleb's involved, and Rachel's involved, etc. That's an ongoing. Are you? If you're just talking about the the fight for the heights, uh, 2019, yes. or I guess back then <laughs> would have been 20, 2003. Um, yes, we have not resolved that yet. Uh, that is ongoing. Indeed, we ha- we haven't hit the resolution, but I was hoping for it to sort of catch heat i was hoping for sandy and and caleb to really mix it up we only have that one scene now it is a good scene oh it's a, but maybe yeah, it's that just, one is really good it's my b-plot fascination but i was i was still hoping for more you wanted you wanted this to turn into a real legal drama like the practice <laughs> dylan yeah. mcdermott or was that dermot mulroney no one ever knows <laughs> <laughs> it's dylan uh, mcdermott or is it? It is. No. <laughs> but, except. Um, yeah, so I, I think, it, I, I like when episodes have, like, a hook. This one being, like, a big part of it took place on a boat. Uh, the whole second half of the episode was on a boat. Um, that's always kind of cute. It's a cute mechanism for storytelling. Kind of stuffs all the characters in one place. And that's another thing I want to talk about. The cast is growing. We have all the major players. We, you know, who we didn't have though. I, I, he'll he'll return, but who's this? Pour one out for your man, Luke. Yeah, Luke. Um, we were mercifully spared from Chris Carmack's performance uh, this week. I think um, I, we've talked about Ryan trending off the tier list. What do you think the odds are that Luke makes either of our tier lists ever again? Oh, man. I would put it at 10 to 1, 10% chance. That's pretty fair, I would say. Um, he, I think he's only been on... Has he only been on either of... I know in the second episode, when he like, saves Ryan's life, he, that, that earned him a spot on the tier list. But other than that, it's been... Uh, he's kind of been in the cellar. Mm, yeah, one of the bottom... I, probably the bottom most recurring character... Um, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable saying that, uh, that's not a hot take listener. That is, (laughs) that is the most glacial, even tempered take of all. Have we seen like a major cast in the starting credits, not appear in an episode yet? Um, oh, that's a good question. Jimmy may have not been in. That's a good point. I'm trying to. He's probably the only one. 
Um, yeah, so not looking good for our boy Carmack. No, not at all. Steve, what'd you notice when you rewatched this episode? Well, I couldn't help but notice the. Uh, <laughs> that's not a very Carrie Bradshaw of me. I couldn't help but wonder. Um, <laughs> shout out Sex in the City. Great show. Of course. Uh, Season two? Oh. Uh? Ve- Ooh, damn. Dude. Oh, off off mic, we will uh we'll kick that one around. Um this is a very sex positive episode. We get like a very steamy yeah. opening yeah. scene. We do. We get a pretty steamy closing scene. Cause and another thing, I I want to get back to the sex talk, but uh to to have Marissa and Ryan go from first kiss to boyfriend, girlfriend, and you know, potentially uh, and then eventually i think we're yeah i think we're meant to believe that they go all the way uh in the in the parlance of 2003 um <laughs> so uh, yeah, i think it's suggested yes we check both those boxes in the ma- in a matter of one episode from their first kiss which actually i'm kind of fine with considering how long it took them to get together um, yeah but it felt like those could have been drawn those two events could have been drawn out even a little bit more uh than they were but besides that, you know, we get Sandy and Kirsten who like get walked in on a couple times, like making out in the kitchen, uh, from what I remember. And then like ha- they have that pretty uh, raunchy, although it was, I guess it was clean, but the intention or the um, the subtext was raunchy at the end when she's like, "What are we gonna do now?" And or I can't remember exactly what she says, but she's like, "What are you doing now?" And he's like, "She's like you." So they Ooh. fucked. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Um, <laughs> not, not exactly subtle. Um, no. And then they really yeah. sexed up Bonnie Somerville. Uh, you know, she tries to put the moves on Sandy. Uh, we see some Bonnie Somerville ass crack. Did you notice that in that part in the, where she like bends over? We had a little whale tail going on. <laughs> I know that's, that's kind of a crude saying right out of 2010, but... Um, yeah, I uh, take time. I'm not crazy about Somerville shooting her shot. Uh, mm. Didn't didn't like it. Didn't Ill think timed, it was very elegant. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did think when she said, "Sandy Cohen, are you cheating on me with your wife?" Good uh, right away in the beginning of the episode, that made me laugh in sort of like a golf clubby sort of way, which is the thing I like about Rachel's energy. She's like. She plays the role of boys club lawyer and Sandy is like kind of the fish out of water in terms of that. That's a great observation. Yeah, that is like, I guess, refreshing to see that. Yeah, like the young, sexy lady is kind of being inappropriate. Uh, She should have like a cigar just puffing on it. Just, yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't know why I made her a mobster, but. That was the big my two big takeaway, and then we'll we'll get into this too. But um, Anna really changes her tune quickly from going like being down to help help Seth get Summer to being like all you ever do is talk about Summer, and I'm done with hanging out with you if that's going to be the case. Um, can't blame her, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I see where yep. she's coming from. She's got a crush on this nerd, uh, and he <laughs> is like against everyone's better judgment. But yeah. And I still, I remain befuddled that he wouldn't, like, be all over her. Like, and there's that, like, stupid moment where um, him and Ryan are, like, they're, I think uh, it's right when Anna gets to Seth's house 
And then, like, the two girls go to the bathroom, and Ryan's like, Anna looks good. And Seth's kind of, like, shrugs, like, does she? I guess. I never even thought she about it. She might as well have a... <laughs> I was going to say the P word. Uh, <laughs> she may as well have a penis, as far as he's concerned. Uh, yeah, I didn't get it. I think it's ham-fisted in the way they wrote it. Uh, it's I dumb. get why it's they would like, do it. You, you, there's no reason on earth that that dude wouldn't be, like, you know, gobsmacked. Uh, you know, with uh, well, let's talk about him. it. Let's let's break it down a little bit. Uh, do you think? Because obviously, it was written that way to sort of be over obvious. So, like, do you think that cheapens the summer Seth romance? That's my opinion. Or do you think it sort of sets the foundation for it being like, see what? What really happens in real life is that opposites attract, and this like bond that was created in fourth grade or whatever is stronger than just good chemistry. Uh, you know, I, I think th- so. They they eventually write this wrong. Um, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here with talking about like what happens in coming episodes, but. Anyone who's watched the show remembers that this is a love triangle for a reason. It's not like a one-way romance between Anna and Seth. Like he eventually like wisens up and realizes that he likes her as well. Um, <clears throat> I guess that you know they just I, I can't I can't think of any good reason why they wouldn't at least make him you know somewhat interested in her at least in this episode. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I mean, there's like a little bit of tropey charmingness to it, like the oblivious guy. But I think it's they they might have just done death by too good of a thing and just made Anna too cool and likable. And right, we're like, she's a little too what's perfect. The fuck's for him. wrong with Adam Brody? Yeah. There, yeah. if there was one, if there was one thing that was like preventing him from being head over heels about her, and I guess it's Summer. I guess it's his, his, you know, like undying crush on Summer is what we're supposed to believe. But I don't know. I, I, I was frustrated with it last episode, and I continue to be frustrated with it. But yeah, as such as young love, my heart's in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true, true. You can't, you can't really make sense of it, right, Steve? No. Uh, quick note, what do you think of the Bartometer this week? I think it definitely bottomed out. Uh, I actually wrote this down. Um, and I, we might need to have a larger Barton conversation here. I'm starting to wonder if we're just giving her the benefit of the doubt. Uh, Mm, I think it is a crisis of faith that every Barton (laughs) follower eventually has. Every Barton observer. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want to say Barton fans because it paints us in too negative a bull light. But um, yeah, I also thought it was was absolutely uh, flatlining. When she was teasing Summer on the yacht, when she's like, you like him, you like him. I was just like, this is like close to unwatchable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The acting is often a little campy on the show, but it's very infrequently like grimace inducingly bad. Right. I get that, you know, that could happen, I guess that, you know, like two teenage girls would like tease each other about who they like, but I don't know. There's the way she, I think the way the words were coming out of her mouth was what really like put me off. It kind of felt like she didn't even know what the concept, as a person, <laughs> the concept of teasing was. And she's like, 
Am I supposed to be mean but not mean it? Yes, Misha, that's exactly it. Go for it. And she's just like, you like him. You like him. <laughs> I don't even think it was that. I think it was like she was like, okay, like she was acting like a fifth, like a five-year-old. But <laughs> like no like teenager is like imitating a five-year-old to like make fun of their friend about liking a boy. You know, at this, no. I understand that, you know, like, oh, this is we're past that point in our lives where like liking a boy is something to be teased about. But whatever. I mean, it's just that that uh, that was bad. Um, she didn't nail it. No, she fucked that up. <laughs> that one's on you, Misha Barton. Um, I don't know. What else were there? What other scenes? I'm trying to think now of other scenes that that was the one that really like fell in the toilet for me. I thought when she. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about this in a second, but um, when she was like, well, aren't we boyfriend and girlfriend? Like, it almost sounded like she was surprised to have read it in the script, and Mm. I was surprised by her saying it, and Ryan was surprised by her saying it. It was just very surprising. It it didn't happen like I, like the romantic in me would want it to happen, and it didn't happen (laughs) like makes any storytelling sense whatsoever. Is the romantic in you, listeners, Vince is a pretty romantic guy. Is the romantic in you satisfied at all by this uh, Ryan and Marissa love story? Is there any part, any sliver of your romantic heart that is like being satiated? It toyed with me last week when they subverted the Ferris wheel trope by making Ryan afraid of heights. Mm. And then they kissed through it. And then they had... She kisses him first, too. Yes. We, we had a nice talk about that. I like. I still like that. Me, too. Um, I liked that. And so I was pleased, especially because, goddamn, did they make us wait for it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had to crawl over glass and coals to get to them finally kissing. And uh, it was nice. Now they've punted. They've punted it all away. We got a nice first down. But we still had about 60 yards to go. This is a football metaphor for those of you who aren't getting it. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it was disastrous, this episode. This was the episode where they consummate their relationship. Forgive my use of the crass term. but uh, And there was very little romance. There was this whole charade about the perfect date that got teased that yeah. never happened. And that also just didn't pay off. Like... Ryan never actually like tried. She he never got the chance, but right. still. I I actually here's a double take scenario. I kind of liked the way that that got resolved cuz there was like a nice moment where he where she like goes to the pool house to tell him, "Hey, this is what's actually going to happen." And he has like that moment where he's like, "Oh, but this date I planned for you." Like, you know, we're we're all kind of in on the joke there. Um, I thought that it was, was, you know what, that was nice. It was clumsy the way Seth was like at the, you know, the way he set the whole thing up. He's like, "Oh, he's got the perfect date. Every, you know, everything is going to be just so." And it was that. I thought that was a little bit dumb. Um, I actually thought I like looked away from the TV and missed the part where Ryan said that first, and I was like, "Is this a?" But it, it's it's really out of thin air, right? Seth, Seth unwittingly just... like hangs him out to dry for no reason at all. Like he was, <laughs> it's not like he was like trying to, you know, like fuck with his shit. There, he was just yeah, was just... salt his game, as yeah. they say. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real parlance of two thousand three. <laughs> they they yeah man they they've stopped uh, using all my favorite um, slang words that they use. They they went really hot, heavy with the slang in the first three episodes. Can't stand they're that kid the... macking on you. Have you heard anyone say macking <laughs> since early aughts? 
<laughs> no, but it was really big back then. At least there's that <laughs> minty never existed. Minty, no. That is a Seth Cohen original. I you think my guess, my here's here's a take. Brody tried to start that. That was a, that's something he came up with, tried to get it going. It's kind of like that stop, stop trying to make fetch happen. Uh, totally. Yeah, Minty never never took off in any corner of the country. Thankfully. That is a it's a it's an elite tier conspiracy, Steve, and I'm you have a believer. Let me sign up. <laughs> when do we when do we meet? Uh, we get yeah. I think we meet every time we record this podcast. So we'll, <laughs> we'll let this be the uh, the clubhouse that we have our meetings uh, in. Well, we've been teasing it already, but there's plenty to take down and break down this week, Steve. Uh, hijinks. There's plenty of hijinks, and that's what I love most about that segment. So let's go to it. Let's do it. So, listeners, takedown breakdown is where we explore the unintentional comedy, the foibles, the inconsistencies, and the general fun-lovingness of the show maybe not intentionally um there's plenty to talk about can i start with dashing my girl anna oh shit yes let's hear it i don't want to torture performance which was again immaculate she's great she's charming uh her wardrobe is consistently dumpstered here Mm. it's it's completely are we meant to think that this is how people dress in pittsburgh that's what I want to ask you first. I've got a I've got a Pittsburgh takedown for my my own. Uh, actually, I'll do it now. Fuck no, this is not. I've been to Pittsburgh. <laughs> this is not how people dress in Pittsburgh. And this, there's and- there's another weird moment where she. So they have that. Um, they have their little Annie Hall moment where they're like sitting on the edge of the boat and they're like kind of like joking, you know, like making fun of you know all the Newport people. And she's like, "There are not people like this in Pittsburgh." I was wondering what she meant by that, because like I said, I've spent some time in Pittsburgh, not a ton of time, but enough time to realize that it's pretty blue collar, like the epitome of blue collar. So it's not like this bastion of intellectualism and sophistication. Um, It's about as blue collar as you would imagine it would be. And yeah, nobody's, you know, dressing with like a like a newsboy cap and I don't even know what else, you know, like (laughs) vest with collar and. I had several t-shirts on. Ah, uh, yeah. It, she looked like she fell out of a closet. It was d- disastrous. And, you know, that's often easy pickings for a critique segment like this. But, hey, who am I but to make easy pickings? I'm not too good for easy pickings. Um, but still, yikes. I thought it was really, really super bad. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, and also just, like, what what, what did she mean by that? What There's not people like this in Pittsburgh. Like, is she supposed she? I think she means vapid, rich idiots, but, like, come on. It's, come on. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'd prefer the steel, the steel industry and, you know, sports <laughs> yeah, bars as far as the eye can see. Because <laughs> she doesn't look like she'd fit in there either, you know? No, not at all. Yeah. She belongs in, I don't know, I guess, like, the the cooler parts of California or New York City. Seattle. Yeah. Now we're talking. Hey, dare I say Minneapolis? I don't know. I guess so. That's kind of the Pittsburgh of the... Well, no, no. We've got more going on in Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we just got Pittsburgh on our side, Steve. We don't have to piss them off. Yeah, my apologies, Uh, Pittsburgh. Um, But yeah, that's... yeah. 
She's uh, so I wanted to do as long as we're on Anna. I didn't. This isn't really a takedown segment, but I did want to just chat a little bit more about her. Uh, the movies that she. So my the I think I think my reference was lost on you uh, at the very beginning of the pod. But so she oh, yeah. swing and a miss. <laughs> she <laughs> she, uh, she lists. So there's that moment where they get they're um, having lunch and like the, Seth and Anna get up and they like start walking and. Seth's like, what do you think Summer's fit three favorite movies are? And she lists Battleship Potemkin, Seventh Seal, and Shoah. These are three foreign films all made, you know, sometime between the 1920s and the 1980s, uh, which obviously Summer probably is never, I'm guessing, has never heard of and by no means would ever watch, much less, you know, consider them her favorite movies. Um, but yeah, no, I want, I'm, I'm just going to make a mental note every time Anna, uh, has mentions anything having to do with media. So, and it, I call this, if you're, if you're interested, I'd be happy to, um, actually make a new podcast. <laughs> 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 if anyone, if anyone's demanding that I've got the time. Oh yeah. If anyone's any super fans out there who want to take Steve up, take your fan experience to the next level and do the Anacast with Steve. I'm here. Um, bro. I call this the Frasier effect, and it's something I love about Frasier. Mm. I'm not positive yet if I'm crazy about it with Anna specifically, but the point of the, I get you might call it a trope, is to make references that are so obscure that they might even make the audience the butt of the joke as opposed to in on the joke. Uh, Frasier does this all the time, and I love it, and... I have to look up some of the jokes he makes sometimes, and that's just a very enriching watching experience. I agree. Uh, it does. It broadens the horizons. This is kind of how you know, like when I got interested in movies, and I guess if you want to call it cinema, uh, you know, it was from watching movies that mention other movies. You know what I mean? Like it just kind of sparks your interest. And I agree with you. Although I would, I, I would argue that in Frasier specifically, they're not doing it to crack wise at the audience because i think the audience of fraser i mean that show became extremely popular by the end of its run but it's a pretty uh, anyone who's watching fraser i shouldn't say anybody i would say majority of people who are watching fraser at least like think of themselves as like somewhat intellectual at least the, and not not that the references would like just fly straight over their heads but maybe that's something that they have heard of if not seen yeah i think i think there's a good there is a very good chance of that. I think, like, I guess I more wanted to bring about the point that the show isn't afraid to make a reference that might straight up go over even their educated viewers' heads. Uh, it allows the, like, uneducated to laugh at Fraser. Like, look at this flop. He's, you know, he he's concerned with such trivial things. But it allows, like, the people who care to look into the reference or if they get it, it makes it pay off even better. Like, if you do get the reference, you feel pretty darn smart. Um, I don't know that, like, Anna has the personality to make that, uh, to really land that as well. Like, when she spouted those movies, the only one of which I'd ever heard of was The Battleship Potomac. The other two, I was like, I don't, I'm not sure. These are movies, I'm assuming. But uh, that's as much as I know. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I can assure you that they are, and uh, if anyone, <laughs> <laughs> anyone wants to hear my hey, thoughts on hey, them. Hey, thanks for your ground reporting, Steve. <laughs> um, I, got a, I got a complaint to make. 
I got a beef. Tell I me. I got a beef with Ryan. This is more... You, you know how I think Lunch Pail Ryan is like the way that Ryan should be? It's when Ryan is best Ryan. Yeah. Lothario Ryan is when Ryan is worst Ryan. Okay. I've got I've got some Ryan takedowns, but tell me about Lothario Ryan. In, in, Lothario in Ryan. conjunction with uh, Lunch Pail Ryan. <laughs> well, they're the antithesis of one another because Lothario Ryan is like this ploy that the show went on. It's a gambit where Ryan in his previous life as a 15-year-old in Chino, mind you, was like having sex with all these women. I mm. guess they would they would be girls, I guess. But um, he like can't remember their names and has lost count of how many of they've been. And Seth is like having an asthma attack when he's being recounted to it. Uh, I, I never bought it. Like, Ryan is kind of like always struck me as proud, but not like totally machismo in every way, shape, and form. But now they just, the last bastion that he was clinging, clinging to, which is like sort of has his head on straight when it comes to relationships, it's just been, you know, it's now he doesn't have that anymore. I, I am, I'm gonna beg to differ on this one as well i i kind of read that as like kids just grow up fast in chino and mm. it's mm. not that he was like he like couldn't remember but he was kind of doing like the i don't know what you'd call it i guess like you know he was like i guess being modest i whether or not you believe that he had sex as like a, a you know whatever however old like 13 or 14 year old is one thing <laughs> But, like, I don't think he was just like, oh, I can't remember. I think he was just trying, you know, he was just not, you know, he didn't have the number. If he had, if he was like, if he answered like eight, you know, like if he answered really like, you know, like he knew, like he was waiting for him to ask the question, that would have read even weirder. So. Interesting. Like if he was, you know, maybe a kid that age probably would have kept track, but. I don't know. I, I think the way that that was played made sense. It's like Ryan has this like previous life experience before he met Seth that Seth is like intrigued by. And the other thing is like, Seth, calm down. Like, you know, don't you know, he was like, yeah, like you said, like gasping at the thought of Ryan having sex. It's like, OK, man, like, you know, it's not that <laughs> I actually, shocking. Like, I liked that. I liked it because it reminded me of like my circle of loser friends in high school. Because that's the sort of way we would react when any of us hooked up with someone. Because it was such a rare circumstance. Um, but Seth is like, you know, he, he's he gone to Newport. You know, like he knows dudes like Luke. You know what I mean? Like it's true. not like, it's not yeah, like that's shocking to, to think that. Because that was the thing too. Yeah, like I, it, it's not like I was having a ton of sex in high school. But I wasn't like blown away when I realized that, you know, some people were that's that's how i read that it was just like i wasn't yeah my lungs weren't collapsing right uh man i might have ran into a haymaker here because i like your take better than my take i mean you yeah the the lothario ryan thing i here's my here's my uh my real problem with ryan so you've got you you're you're pro lunch pail ryan you're anti lothario ryan how do you feel about ryan the jackass (laughs) <laughs> and here's what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is a short moment, but it was like I'm. If if you don't know what I'm talking about, just take take the the five minutes it would take to watch this. It's in the fr- opening scene when they're like hooking up, and then 
they like stop because she like has to go home or whatever. And they're chatting and she's like, she's ta- she starts talking about her mom and he just goes, hey, and stops her mid conversation. It's just to stop her from complaining about her mom. And then she just, she's like, oh, sorry. Do you remember this at all? Did this stick out to you? I do. What a in- Maybe I've internalized the misogyny of it all, but like the way I read it, this is giving him huge credit. So I'm realizing this makes me sound like an abuse explainer, but just give me a second. I kind of felt like she's been working herself up into a depression by over-focusing on her family strife. And Ryan was like, hey, we're we're trying to have a moment to take your mind off it. Like, hey, don't Now's leave it behind time. for a little while longer. Sure. Possible. Um, but, you know, like we haven't, it's not like we've been it's not like we've been exposed to these conversations that they've had where he's like tried to help her work through it like because that hasn't happened so if for her to just like start like bring up this like troubling situation with her and her mom and for him him to stop her short and then her to be like oh sorry that right he's kind of like can it legs like (laughs) let's keep making out very strangely to me there's a moment where um uh Julie comes in to when, when the, she has that kind of weird turn where she apologizes to Ryan when they're in Marissa's bedroom. Yeah, and, like, invites, I got beef with this too. Invites but him going. on the boat. Yeah, and he just goes, "I don't like boats." <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Just weird. I'm saying, I'm saying Ryan just a weird. jackass here. Like this is that's a jackass thing to say when somebody like invites you, whether or not you believe their intentions are pure, like. Strange, strange way to respond to that. And then the, the third one, when so he now he knows that uh, he's seen Julie Cooper and Caleb. Uh, they're on the boat. Marissa's excited about the potential of her parents getting back together. She keeps saying, like, if my dad just finds a job, maybe I can move back in. You know, we can be next door neighbors again. And Ryan's just like, parents are weird. I wouldn't count on anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, dude, like either t- like tell her something, tell her the truth yeah, out with or, it or fucking play along up. and be like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, I hope that happens. That wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just to like to dash her hopes, but not like explain why it just Ryan the jackass. That's that's my take. Good take. I he there's actually a fourth instance that I have written down as a positive after he and marissa finally you know they go all the way or maybe like in the lead up to it they're like gonna sleep over together and he's like i don't know by now i'm usually crawling out windows or into front car seats i thought that was pretty funny yeah it like subverted the moment of like over tenderizing the first time and her response was great she was like okay enough sharing uh, I like <laughs> yeah that. that was good but too here here's another here this is a good moment for another takedown strange moment so both of them say in that in that same scene they both are like you know what i've never slept with anyone before and then ryan's like yeah i haven't slept i'm usually you know like you just like you just said a line but astute watchers will remember the two of them spent the night together with each other when they are on the way to tj (laughs) oh this is an actual this is an actual script notes inconsistency takedown breakdown yeah. they slept with each other you're they right they fucking slept in the same bed they woke up spooning what do you mean they've never slept with another person exposed this is the sort of breakthrough journalism that i've <laughs> come addicted to from you steve yeah come on what the hell 
So that's all. That's all. That's it. Um, there's one line that I want to call out because there's nowhere else to put it. Oh, actually, I know where to put it, but I, I'm going to say it anyway. Summer hits us with this absolutely emerald tier line. What does he know about dates? Where he's from, they don't even have a P.F. Chang's. Oh, I loved that. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to... Let's expand on that a little bit. I love that as a first date conversation starter. So where does P.F. Chang's rank in your first date go-to spots? Oh, God. Uh, well, we don't even really have them that much in our neck of the woods. We're kind of a Leanne Chin footprint. But uh, low, bottom... <laughs> When you say we, do you mean where you grew up or where you live now? Because I was going to say, well, I, I can, mean, tell, like I can the... direct you to some P.F. Chang's where you live now. <laughs> <laughs> Could you? I've never been. Believe that. There's one. I've spent some time in a P.F. Chang's at uh, um, Southdale Mall. I, I watch a lot of movies at uh, the, the theater at the Southdale Center in Edina. So, yeah, great P.F. Chang's. A great cheesecake factory there. I like to uh, sit at the bar before my movie and it's got strong cheesecake factory has the weirdest like decor it's like aladdin's castle in that place i'm not entirely <laughs> sure what have you ever been inside a cheesecake factory i haven't either you know what i i have a good idea let's go see battleship potemic <laughs> coming up here at southdale we'll get pf chanks grab a drink at the cheesecake factory make a night of it that sounds delightful a first date is that that's worthy of a first date that actually sounds like a good one. I don't know. Is is my millennial hipster brain so rotted by irony that I actually think that that sounds cool and nice, or like what's happening? What's going on? Um, I so here here's my take. Uh, I didn't go on any dates in high school, and there's a few reasons for that. But one of them is because I was like, this sounds lame. Like, what are we gonna go to Red Robin and then like go watch The Matrix or something? Like, why you know? What are we going to do? I the, My dates started at the point where two people were legally able to go somewhere and have a drink. And I feel like that's kind of, that's that's the crutch that I've leaned on the rest of my dating life. Thank God I'm married now. <laughs> Again, for many reasons, <laughs> thank God I'm married. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, that's a good point, though. Well, yeah, I don't like, know. Well, I, I understand. Like, there, there is part of me that's like, oh, you kind of missed out on like a crucial part of life, like that weird, like innocent part of life you know moment in time where you know alcohol is not fueling your you know like soda fountains with, sock hops and yeah. such drive-ins yeah. um yeah i don't know red robin any eligible ladies out there if something unforeseen happens and i'm on the market go ahead and take me to red robin in the <laughs> matrix like that's a good it's a good date Okay. I didn't mean to talk shit about either of those things, but <laughs> my my no. point of view when I was that age was just like this this feels weird. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is yeah, like I'm I was yeah. kind of, you know, without having the sex that he had, I was kind of like Ryan where it's just like I don't go on dates. Like I don't, you know, like it just it it didn't seem like an appealing uh activity. Um Totally. At least totally. The, the actual physical act of going on the date, you know, like spending time with the opposite sex always was appealing, but Whatever. I feel like that was an overshare. But yeah, P.F. Chang's is a first date <laughs> spot. Uh, good shit. I, I think maybe in 2003, great. Maybe in 2010, not as good. We're coming back around 2019, great again. <laughs> Let's talk about the O.C. and Steve. <laughs> uh, scene, Scene that made us go O? I'm going to let you go first. I have a couple I'm toying with. Okay. 
I've got a few actually because I kind of I burned one of my things earlier. I've actually kind of burned both of them. I'll start with the one that I originally had. It was the scene with Anna and Seth uh, on the boat where they do the Annie Hall bit where they're so there's in Annie Hall for those of you who haven't seen it. There's a moment where Woody Allen and uh, Diane Keaton are sitting in the park and they're on a park bench and they're just like having this like fun conversation about people who walk by and Woody Allen's doing the thing where he's like kind of riffing on making fun of them, but not in like a mean way. He's just kind of like making observations and she's like laughing her ass off. It's very cute. So it's kind of what Seth and Anna are doing here where they're just like kind of people watching. Uh, and yeah, yep, yep. except the jokes are dog shit in this episode. <laughs> they're, they're, they're like for a show that often with Seth and Anna specifically actually does swing for the fences. We have a couple of bunts. These are like, I would say really whiffs, dumpster like, here. like swings and misses, but yeah, yeah, Seth is like, he's talking about some kid with a wispy mustache. And then he's like, yeah, my nickname used to be Magnum PI, but it was my mom who called me that. And I was just like, ugh, this is really bad. Wait, I'm going to be, this is going to be really revealing that line specifically when he says like, I forget moms can be mean. Yeah. He's like mothers can be so cruel or something like that. I actually kind of thought that was funny. I, maybe it exposes me as a hack, but this is a slight double take. I actually gave a good chuckle because I was like, oh, Magnum P.I., that's sort of an easy joke. But then he flipped. He, he got me. He flipped me in the end where he's like, because I imagined Kelly Rowan actually saying it. And it was caught good. you off guard. Um, I was not caught off guard by that one. <laughs> I, <laughs> I blocked it and countered it. Um, but no, so so there was that. So it's just like, oh, uh, this is like a fun, like. Uh, lampooning of that scene except they're doing like a like you said like I feel like those two characters have legit made me lol and this was not this was like they put it on the tee to continue the baseball metaphor and uh, they I guess it would be a golf metaphor unless you're playing t-ball but whatever the case is (laughs) (laughs) I don't know very relatable t-ball yeah (laughs) t to t-ball Whatever. Uh, the point is, they they fucked up the jokes on that, and then they did. And then on, so th- if that wasn't bad enough, they she leans in for the kiss, and he is like, "I'm gonna go get Mountain Dew. Do you want one?" Yeah. I, I mean, I'm back. I'm back to this, but I, I'll. I'll You're really hung up on it, but I'm I am. With it's you. troubling. Um. So yeah, that I I don't know. Those are two moments in the same scene that made me go, "Oh." I want to talk about the. The Bonnie Somerville, the Rachel making her play. Okay. Uh, listeners, uh, this is the episode, if you weren't watching along, where she finally all this boils over. We get a really good OC. And this was the other one I was toying with, where uh, we have the first uh, meeting of the councils uh, between Sandy and his wife. And... Uh, this this whole little moment it's very brief and kind of plays a small role in the in the episode but we it's revealed that Kirsten has revealed to Caleb that she has insecurities about Sandy working with this young attractive woman and then Caleb evil bastard that he is uses it to sort of lance a hole in the side of the meeting where they're trying to reach in a settlement and uh, Sandy gets some good return fire on him, but Caleb, inscrutable, holds fast and, and clings to his Pyrrhic victory. But uh, 
what follows that amazing scene is what I think is a very kind of uncomfortable scene. Um, Somerville sort of, you, you can see, I keep calling her Somerville. That's just who she's going to be to me. Uh, Rachel <laughs> keeps uh, turning up the heat, gets Sandy to sit on the floor with her, gets him to share the Chinese food. That I was sort of buying. And then she does the literal Medusa in her lair slinking across the floor, but in the air, like, tries to kiss him. Mm. And it's like, how dare you? <laughs> so you were so explain explain that last statement you were upset the fact that she made this attempt with like a the the pure soul that is sandy cohen or it's a whole bunch of things that make me mad all at once like little things that are building up yes first of all i i kind of like that we get sandy's he gets to prove that he's inscrutable but I liked the tension of it never being addressed. Like, okay. there was this that's a good take semi platonic chemistry that you couldn't deny, but it was okay. What made it like compelling? What made it okay for Sandy to keep the job and to keep buying in and spending time with her was because it was truly plausibly innocent. Now, when you take you you take an ice pick to it like this. Now there's no way that Sandy in good conscience can continue on. And I really liked this, this arc. So it's sort of like crashed through the glass in a way for me here. uh, All right. I, that's a great take. And I don't, I hate when people do devil's advocate and this isn't totally that, but it's a little bit that I, so that hit me. He does not, their, their relationship does not end with that scene. Their relationship continues. And I think it's kind of interesting. It's kind of like adult that you can like come on to someone and they can reject you and you can like continue to be in that person's life. Like, I think that, I mean, that, that is like tipping my hand that I know what happens like coming up in this show. But if that were the end of their relationship, if he like quit his job the next day, I would agree with you. I'd be like, shit, that was a shitty way for that end, that to end, but it's not the end. And I like no, that. No, I'm with you <clears throat> in that regard, but like it ends the it it ends when I think Sandy is like innocent in the thing, which is kind of the issue because if you're two single adults and one of you makes a pass at the other and gets shut down and then you go on being friends, that's I think that's good. That's awesome. If one of you suggests adultery and the other one is like, "Nah, let's stay homies." <laughs> i'm like well that is like you can tell her motives are really are bad naturally it's sort of like a yeah. sign of bad faith on rachel's part and now i can't be into her as a character mm, you're very moral you're very like strong moral stances <laughs> <laughs> well i mean listen to how i'll fawn over julie cooper and all the bad shit she does and you'll know i'm a hypocrite but it, it just sort of took a little bit of the luster away from the rachel sandy dynamic for me okay that's fair i are you any other o scenes you want to shout out no i think that and the and the scene where we actually get the court proceedings underway yeah those are my two favorites i liked i liked that i i didn't pick that one because i felt like i've been a little heavy with the adults lately but so that and then leading into i wanted to give a quick shout out to 
the Kirsten and Sandy fight, which was actually a little like low key vicious uh, in the kitchen. So after that courtroom and Sandy's like, shit, she's been talking to Caleb about, you know, me and Rachel, even though there's nothing really to talk about besides the fact that we've been working on this case together long hours and they have that argument and she's ba- and he's like, if you have something to say, you need to say it to me and not your fucking dad. And she's like, you're never here to talk to. And then she ends the conversation with like, she, she's like, oh God, what'd she say? Oh, she's like, so nice talking to you and like gives him that look. And she, I mean, like Kelly Rowan really can like give a look that can end your life. She is <laughs> really good at looking mad. Um, so shout out to her again but uh so, yeah th- those those two scenes as a pair were really good i really like the courtroom scene or not the courtroom the boardroom i guess because the yeah. way sandy's like real quiet at the beginning and then he comes in hard at the end great shit by him uh and then you know the fallout from that so wanted to shout those two out and then um yeah i think that's all i had i was gonna say a little. those were great though really great scenes shout out to jimmy but i'm gonna save it Notice how none of the main A plot Ryan Marissa scenes ever get O seen because no. the acting's too bad. <laughs> Rip. Rip. No, actually, I guess I gave a I gave a partial O scene to the uh, the Ferris wheel last week. That True. one that one was like straight up deserving. Excellent. It's straight up very good. Um, I want to throw it over to a new segment, one we've Ooh. never done before. Okay. So take this journey with me, Steve. I'm all ears. Listeners, we've teased it before. We're calling this For Meta or Worse. For Meta or Worse is uh, it's an exploration or celebration, you might call it, of the moments when the show gets meta. If you're unfamiliar with the term, though it's very in vogue in the zeitgeist right now, it's like the show talking about the show or the show embracing that it is a show. Uh, sort of a nebulous concept, but you know it when you see it. Steve, this show, The O.C., is kind of famous for being pretty meta. Uh, gets more so in later seasons, but we've got a little bit of it this week. Yes, I would agree that it it is like a cornerstone of the show, and it becomes one, I would say, like specifically in season two. I think when they like when I don't know how much we want to give away about season two, but there is there is some some direct like full on full plots that kind of reference the sh- the the characters in the show being in kind of like another oh shit they do that a couple times right they do like the the laguna beach uh like the real valley that is like yes. straight up crazy meta but i'm we're getting ahead of ourselves let's let's start let's let's examine the meta before it goes like show. ultra meta and makes a show about its own show inspired by a show like it in the show <laughs> that is the russian nesting doll of <laughs> what's the, all right let's can we do it like a, just real quick i feel like the, the 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 meta the most meta thing that happens in a tv show that's important to me is when seinfeld does the pilot of the seinfeld show in like season five or six of seinfeld if you don't know what meta is that is what meta is it is that that's the single the the single finest meta media I've ever watched. They do they basically start us over Seinfeld season one during season six of Seinfeld, and they pitch Seinfeld within Seinfeld. Right. It's it's borderline like indigestibly meta. 
so we we haven't gone full that yet, though they flirt with it in the future. This week we have a couple of smaller things that I want to talk about. Just the the very beginnings. And the first thing I want to talk about, Steve, is what we've teased already previously in other episodes, the parallel storytelling and how it's sort of maybe reaching a fever pitch in this episode. Yeah. There's a scene in particular that I found I I found stood out as almost absurd. We were getting back and forth cuts between the adults and between Seth no, excuse me, between Sandy and Kirsten and between Ryan and Marissa having sex. <laughs> it was too much. It was too much. That, I, there was a moment, I can't, so do you remember what, at what point of the episode that is? Because I remember that it happening, but I can't remember what It's moment. right near the end. Okay, because like, at the beginning, they, they start with Marissa and Ryan in the pool house, and Kirsten comes in. That, that I think that this is a side, <laughs> this is actually kind of a little meta, this is like, because, I don't know if you'd call it meta, but it's definitely a trope that the show has like, realized works, is they do like, a funny line that, that, and then they do like a quick drop to the the um, the intro. So, yeah, the title sequence. Right. So Kirsten's like this. She she's all embarrassed that she walked in on Ryan and Marissa, and then she's like, you know, Marissa leaves and she's apologizing to Ryan, and she's like, this never happened with Seth, and it's like, boom, and then we go into like the the OC. The Phantom Planet. First of song. all, great line. Yeah, I love that. So that that is starting. I mean, I that's more of a kind of a trope that the show is developing. I wouldn't call that necessarily meta, but I think it is though. It's it's meta in that the character sort of acknowledges the mechanism of the show. Like Kelly Rowan says it, but she says it in a way that breaks the fourth wall just a little bit because she like says it as a one liner with no recompense. Like there's no way to come. There's no like coming around to finishing that conversation with Ryan yep. and things going about normally, she's only saved by cutting away to the title sequence right. in the, in the show's lore. That is like, and it's like so effective. It's like, it's, it really like hits a lot of pleasure centers for me. Like that is just, I love that type of shit. But, totally. um, so yeah, but anyway, what I was, the reason I brought that up is because the, the way that scene starts is I was like, I was like, who are, because it starts with like their pan, it's a slow pan, it's really close on the two people, and I'm like, just midriff, whose feet groins. are those? Yeah, it's like, who's, yeah, <laughs> it's like, where, where are we going? Is this, who, who are, who's making out here? And then it ends up being uh, Marissa and Ryan, of course, but yeah, the, the cross cutting between uh, the, the two lovers making love, uh, very interesting. I just found it, I just found it too much. Um, but then we get early on in the episode, we get like the metaist thing that's been said yet. I would say, um, basically the 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 walking in on that spurned the first point uh, is being like awkwardly not talked about at the breakfast table, and Seth's like, "What happened? Tell me what happened. What's going on? Somebody say what happened." But no one will tell him, and they all leave. And then he's like left in the middle of the scene, and he goes. I guess I'm just here for the comic relief. And then yes. cut. It's like, oh boy, here that, we go. That also could have like started the show. Uh, that was another one of those lines. So here's my question about that. So I agree with you. That is 100% like, that's actually them like cracking the door open. on like the, okay, like there's probably enough people who have seen this show 
enough times now to realize like Adam Brody is straight up only, or he's not only comic relief, but he is hardcore comic relief. Do you think that was a Brody ad lib or do you think that was in the script? Because I I don't know. I don't don't think there's a right answer to this, but he's famously known for like improvising most, or if not, not not all, but most of his lines. Uh, Do you, I'm wondering if that was his decision to be like, you know what, what is this character really? And drops that, or if that was actually in the script. Tough to say. I, I want to say the meta-ness of the show is too integral to its fabric for this not to be just like everyone being on the same page where he drops that bomb. Because there's plenty of funny things to say there. Like, True, but this, of ways this is, to end it. We're not, we're, you know, we're still, we're at episode 10. It's not like the show, there's not a ton of, you know, like back catalog to work with, with the show itself. You know what I mean? Like what, by the time True. it gets truly meta and like, you know, mid season two, it's like we... The, the writers, the actors, and the viewers all have like an understanding of who these characters are and what's happened in this world. At this point, not that much has happened, and we're, there's, the characters are still pretty new. I think it's that I don't have a, like a strong take on this one way or the other. I think Brody, I, I would guess Brody dropped that one himself, but it's just too frightening. Like, I'm afraid of the truth because if what you're saying is true, that means Brody is like truly dictating the spiritual direction of the OC. That's <laughs> what a great me. dude. That's, that's something we could take like a, a long more time than we have right now, but to talk about, but who is the actual North star of the show? Cause I, I think up until now we would both agree it's Sandy, but he's not the main character. You know, that's pretty clearly Ryan and or Marissa Brody, you know, like the, the meta-ness and like the humor and honestly, like the way that, we haven't, th- you know, I don't know what's happening here, but here's a rewatch reaction thing that we neither of us have brought up. But what has happened to the music on the show? It's just like completely disappeared. They do two original songs or less an episode. I know it picks up later on, but this, that was not something that I was like, I thought that that was going to be like a, a mainstay segment on our pod. And it just really hasn't been for the last like five or six episodes. Totally agree. So, and if you're a fan of troping mechanisms or for meta or worse, you can go ahead and thank the lack of original music on most of these <laughs> episodes because I, I too assumed, Steve, that we would that would be like part of the main cast. That would be our maybe it, it turned out to be our summer, like a little less prominent than we imagined it would be at the beginning, but then picks up. I, I know it does, because, I mean, they have Rooney on the show, for God's sake. So it's not like they... <laughs> it's Rooney! <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so, um. yeah, that that's... Uh, but no, I, I so I... But the, the way... So, like, the, the style of music... So Death Cab, for example, that's something that's, like, been mentioned on the show by Seth, of course. But that's the kind of, like, style of music that I associate with the OC. And that's the style of music that Seth, the character, is most responsible for, I would say. Um, mm. so I think that like, okay, so more, more importantly, what I'm trying to get at is Seth like sets the vibe, but Sandy, it like sets like the moral compass of the show and Ryan and Marissa are fun to watch and look at and not even watch. I'd say fun to look at, but really <laughs> don't do much beyond that. Yeah. I, you know, I think you're, maybe that's you're the- touching on some important El Dorado style gold. Yeah, um, I'm uh, maybe that's like a take that we can like workshop as we go on. 
like who's res- I think we, who, who's we'll- responsible for what we like about this show. Uh, and honestly, it's not like that's groundbreaking shit. Like I think that's kind of evident, but it's becoming more evident as we're going through this rewatch. I'm excited to keep chipping away at that. Um, I only have one more quick meta thing. When when Summer is grappling with the reality that she likes Seth Cohen and literally says, I like Seth Cohen, mm. uh, etc. It, it was like, it almost sounded like Bilson was like reading <laughs> the script and like coming to terms with it inside the show. I, I just thought the way that they addressed it, maybe it's not quite meta, maybe it's just more like a subver- subversion of the like, thing that happens in a lot of shows popular girl falls for geeky guy but i thought it was like really good we can that was one of my favorite things about the episode that that's a great meta observation i think we could actually extend that a little bit too because we know that uh adam brody and rachel bilson dated throughout the the bulk of this show the show's run we should try to like hypothesize when they actually got together because if it was that moment if it was her saying I like Seth Cohen, but it was just Rachel Bilson actually being like, holy shit, do I like Adam Brody? <laughs> like that, that would be like the true meta moment of this, of this show. <clears throat> That's good. That's well, a compelling question. Compelling question. I've got a compelling question for you, Steve. Was this filler or foundational? I'm going to say, oh man, um... I'm going to go really good filler. I I really like this episode. I don't know if my my general tone on the whole thing would like make that clear, but I would say it's like it's not Ryan and Marissa having kind of maybe having sex is not enough for me to make it foundational. Um and we didn't really talk at all about what happened on the yacht when Marissa drops the bomb on uh everybody in attendance that uh Julie and Caleb uh are together. That that didn't get enough uh, attention on this pod, but there's just simply not time for it now. But anyway, I'm going with <laughs> I'm going with really good filler. Um, I'm gonna say this is, yeah, this is kind. Of, yeah, I don't know. I'm what, what, what has good filling like stuffed crust pizza in the nineties? Yeah, that's good. I for some reason like Snickers bar just like jumped into my head. Like it's filler, like it's candy, but like it'll it'll like service food in a pinch. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, inelegant. I will. I'll give a quick shout out. Our two main villains do get together. That's pretty cool. That's a big thing that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were alluding to, but I think generally this is also staging episode for the next few episodes. So you'll be safe to skip this one, listeners. <laughs> uh, we've got the the main event and a little bit of a longer pod this week, but that's okay. Your tier list, Steve. I've got plenty to say here, so hopefully you not have to go to the bathroom or anything. But no, I, um, I actually okay. I'm gonna let you you take the wheel here. I, I can. I'll definitely contribute, but I I didn't like my tier list is not. It's a little. It's a little held together with scotch tape and. <laughs> hey, I was feeling the same way because one of the things that is immediately apparent. We talked about this. We, we've got all the characters now. It was a very crowded episode. A lot of people were fighting for screen time, and that's why my number five is very surprising. I'm going with Chip. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I did want to give him a quick shout-out, though. What a awfully acted but genius character. Um, my my n- real number five is Summer, and I think her best moments, though she has plenty, 
are when she's like disgusted by chips just ways mm. smoke it, another beer chip i like that i'm glad you said it because it's the only saying that emerged into my general friend's lexicon oh smoke that, a that, beer. that gets used by your yep. crew to this day me and my buddies still say smoke a beer it's very nice funny. do you do you cite your sources with summer summer roberts circa 2003 i you know i haven't bothered to i wonder if they all even know where it came from uh but i thought summer had a really good episode uh not like an elite episode uh like she will have in the future but uh she was really fun whenever she was on on the screen and i i liked her scenes Okay, she did not make my list, but no, at number five, I had my, maybe the person, besides Sandy at one, I think my, the, the person who's occupied this spot, uh, or any, any one spot more than uh, the rest is Jimmy at five. <laughs> okay, uh, Jimmy Cooper. It's really not a lot of screen time, but when he, when he gets his moments, he really makes the most of them. He's got two lines that like just really made me double over. When he's when uh, um, Julie is at his like you know bachelor pad apartment, and when Marissa comes home, and they're sitting down and talking about you know what Julie has planned with the the um, event, and Jimmy is trying to make a plea to Marissa. He's like, "Look, no one has fewer nicer things to say about your mother than me." That with <laughs> her sitting right next to him, I just love that. And then and, after yeah. Marissa spills the beans at the uh, the boat party. And like, you know, Julie looks over at Jimmy and she's like, don't start with me. And he's like, after tonight, I'm done with you. You're Caleb's problem now. It's just good, good shit by him. I like both those lines. I didn't know who else to put in my five spot. I, I kicked around the idea of Rachel, but I just couldn't do it. I knew that you would have a, you would, you would take me to task morally for Ooh, her, her appearing. I Unless I'm actually, wrong. No, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed because I thought we were going to get a sneaky, like she is the first character that I would say C tier that might actually make the list. Um, like she had a real shot yeah. because this week was wide open. Right. Uh, but I actually thought she was one of my least favorite performances of the episode. So can't very well do it just to be contrarian. I also loved Jimmy Cooper's absolute genius tier throwaway when they're like doing a f- photograph for like the Newport times or whatever. And he's like, I didn't say cheese. Just like yeah. he's not even on screen anymore when he says it. So you open the show with that. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, good. so good. Okay. Great pick at five. Uh, my number four, Kirsten. Oh wow. Uh, fallen a little bit. I I loved great facial acting as always from Rowan. A lot of power, even though she's sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place. She's in the moral wrong with Sandy. She's in the power and equity wrong with Caleb, yet she still manages to tear with her teeth and claws to get respect and admiration out of the rest of the cast. I love it. She's great. I had her at three. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm echoing everything that you said there. Um, I like the, yeah, like this, this pretty sexual episode with her and Sandy, so good stuff uh, from mom and dad. And, um, yeah, just... You know how I feel about Kelly Rowan. We don't need to talk strongly, about yeah. and uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> At four, I had Seth. Mm. Uh, yeah, good lines as always. You know, I I 
railed against his inability to realize that Anna is is the right one for him. Um, we didn't talk about this, but two more Magic the Gathering drops from him. Uh, that's I know. I, I'm trying to let you bring it up because I'm fanboying about it so much. Like We got a, a series of three lines in a row about Magic the Gathering. It was... It was that, intoxicating. <laughs> so, I don't know if he's on your tier list. You can go off on magic. Um, but yeah, that I, I like I like that shit uh, from him. Other than that, I mean, and then the Bilson, the Bilson kiss at the end. I like Seth Cohen. Yeah, I, I, I had him at my number two. Oh, I damn. really like Seth's performance this week. Um, mostly because I am of the opinion, this is a take, that the episode kind of only functioned at all because of Seth Cohen. He was in all of the scenes ex- with the exception of the courtroom. Like, he was this, the connective tissue for the episode, sort of the reason for things happening. He ham-fistedly started the, the date, is it going to be a date or not thing, but still, he was instrumental. He kind of came around, saw where Anna was coming from, that was a good little bit of growth, and he had all the funniest lines. I, I, I thought he was like the figurehead of episode ten. That's a good take. I like that take. Yeah, he was the, the, I don't know, cocktail stirrer that stirs the drink. <laughs> yeah, the tiny umbrella. Um, <laughs> so my number three was Anna. Okay, she is my four. Or my, she was my two. Uh, my two. Uh, she was my two, four. yes. Uh, she's finally starting to climb up where she belongs. Uh, I mean, you. I, I'm sure you agree. Why don't you take it away? Um, I, I mean, her, her inability to uh, do a good Dan Keaton impression aside, uh, I, <laughs> I like the way... I mean, I complained about it at the top of the show about that, you know, she, she kind of changes her tune pretty quick from helping Seth to getting pissed that, you know, he's only talking about Summer. But with good reason. The dude only talks about Summer and it's annoying. And True. She yes, it annoys me. It annoys her. Calls him on it. And uh, I I like the Frasier uh, sophisticated media drops. Uh, that shit plays well in my home. And yeah, despite <laughs> her outfits aside, uh, just like what she's doing. And uh, I want to keep seeing it more of it. I, I fucked that up. But <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts? But I on agree. I, I think like uh, I, I like to call it the the gut test. Like I just like when she's on screen. Uh, something that is is not like currently true of Bilson. Even though I had her at five because I thought she did a good job. But like when she comes on, it's sort of what happens with Luke. We are just like, oh, I kind of get where this is going. But with Anna, you don't really know where it's going. That's one of the coolest things about her character is that she's a little bit of a loose cannon. Like, is she going to be like Seth's bro? Or is she going to be like telling him off and scolding him? Or is she going to be like talking about the battleship (laughs) potemic? You never know. Uh, does that bring us all the way through to our number one? Is are all your four taken care of? I think so. Jimmy, Seth, Kirsten, yeah, Anna, and you were Summer, Kirsten, Anna, Seth. Okay, here we go. Back at the uh oh. Unless you got, unless you put Julie Cooper up there. No, I, wa- I She was she was almost worthy of five, but uh, 
I actually had kind of big beef with how unbelievable her face turn was. Mm. Like, it was just too shallow. It didn't strike me as the level of of conniving that I know Julie Cooper to be capable of. Uh, so she she got edged out by Summer. I threw, I kicked around the idea of putting Caleb on there, but I just was laughing too hard thinking about his pleated khakis in the first scene that he's in. in this episode. <laughs> I just couldn't, couldn't give him a spot. Rewatch that too. Fair. Watch, watch, watch Ryan being a total dickhead in the first scene and then watch uh, Caleb, uh, Caleb's pants in his opening scene in this episode. Those are my so, two recommendations. He gives Anna a run for her money and <laughs> wardrobe malfunctions. Uh, but it's Sandy. It's Sanford again, right? Remains at the top. Um, Let yeah. me say, though. Go ahead. Can I say? He's Please. vulnerable. Ooh. I want to say that. And here's why. Um, I did not think there was any truly good Sandy scene mm. except for uh, the when he, like, rails back against Caleb in that in the board meeting. Yeah. He has like one little monologue that he's like, if you don't think I'm gonna give you everything I got, you got another thing coming, you old bald bastard. Mm-hmm. Um I'm taking that you was down. not what he said, but that's what he meant. Um everything else I actually thought I don't know. Average. So where so did you put him at one just because of the consistency or how come he got your one spot then? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, maybe we've talked about this a few times where we flirted with it, the little bit of different philosophy in terms of the tier list. I I'm like, it's a kind of a, not only what have you done for me lately, but your body of work and none of the other characters. I think, I think this week, if someone had stepped out as exceptional, they would have knocked him off, but like all things being equal and everyone kind of having an okay episode, uh, Seth being like the most notable potential challenger in my opinion i i didn't see any good reason not to let him ride because he's been so incredible in so many episodes prior agreed and also i think i'm gonna add that no one grabbed the top spot no one like really made me say wow um i i think that i really so you didn't like the uh when he gets on the boat and he's like oh i wore a jacket like when she's like, we're <laughs> I leaving. It was a little too. Yeah, that, I, di- I didn't really like it. I, cause it, it went hand in hand with his really lame to Ryan, never get married. It was like, that's mm. the sort of joke that Sandy Cohen doesn't usually make. He's not an oaf. He's not a, a lump. Okay. You know, I didn't dig it. All right. Fair. Um, yeah, I still had him at one. I, yeah, he didn't. You didn't get my O scene, but yeah, the the boardroom scene and then the fight with Kirsten in the kitchen. Um, and I don't know, I was I was charmed by him. I mean, obviously, like rebuffing uh, Rachel's advances. That's you know, that's just part that was of the good. course for Sandy. And that that was a good. I got a boat to catch. That was a good line when she's like right up in his face, ready to do whatever people do when they're that close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah even when he is under the gun he still has a smooth exit line um so that that is good i agree but so you know i i'm being critical of him because i'm never critical of him Mm. this is like i I don't have to put gallagher on blast no i'm not i didn't mean to i hope you don't feel like i was taking it to task but oh not at all no 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 I, I think I that he, he was vulnerable. That's a, that's a good observation. But nobody nobody rose to the occasion, least of all Ryan. 
<laughs> least not to name names, but <laughs> I mean, least of all Marissa, but mm. uh, it it continues to it continues to charm and amaze me how our two main characters will just punt punt around the acting so gratuitously. Well, this again the a larger conversation that we have time for now, but. It's just possible that both those um, roles were miscast. And I, I know that I had to take earlier that maybe they did a great job casting Misha Barton instead of Olivia Wilde. Um, starting, to, starting to reel back on that take. Just a, li- <laughs> just a little bit. My think, wife Sarah's honestly, take is starting to become more and more appealing to me. Uh, that's just a tease for a later episode. We've teased this for a while, but there's there's a this will be our an interesting interesting bit of lore in my uh, relationship with my wife that is OC related. And I'm sort of somehow tangentially involved. In you it. are more than tangentially involved. <laughs> uh, that'll have to wait for another time. I I do think on a final final note that that's sort of the spiritual journey you take as a fan of the OC is like, hey, this is fine. And then, hey, this is kind of bad. And then, actually, this is just misunderstood. These two have a heart of gold. And then it's like, <laughs> is my understanding of acting completely flawed? You have to get through four rewatches of the entire series <laughs> before you finally come to <laughs> That's right. That's where we are. That's why we're watching the show. Steve, what are you excited for next week? Um, I, I am like honestly captivated by this budding relationship between Chet and Summer. I am really excited to see this series shift focus entirely onto those two and we can get away from Ryan and Marissa like we've always meant to and stop thinking about Kirsten and Sandy and focus on what matters. What about you? Um, I just can't get over how Shane Lee Woodley a.k.a. Caitlin, was robbed of her moment. Like, she was really going to have a moment where she revealed the raffle winner mm. to that boat <laughs> full of Newport's wealthiest. Uh, but I think she's overdue for, for, like, redemption. I think the show owes it to her. And I think we're going to get a, a Caitlin-heavy episode next week. Ooh, that'll be good. That's a take. <laughs> Shaylee Woodley in the title sequence when. Yeah, give give credit where credit is due, OC producers. <laughs> uh, Steve, excellent episode. Uh, I can't wait for next week, memes aside. Uh, and until next week, take it till you make it.